love love supersedes and is the antidote to stress from an unromantic version of love unconditional love solves almost every problem in the world and we probably wouldn't have as many episodes of depression and anxiety if people really understood that from right. the age of zero to three so what i mean by that okay here's a loved one listening what do i do just keep loving them Hello, and thank you for joining our podcast, Hope to Recharge, a show that is designed to bring hope, inspiration, motivation, and some practical tips to those that are battling depression and anxiety, and to those that are supporting loved ones that are going through the journey in this difficult time of depression and anxiety. I'm here to tell you, you are not alone, and we will live beyond depression and anxiety. We will share our stories one story at a time in a world of mental health together is better. I'm your host, Matana. Thank you for tuning in. Hello and welcome to Hope to Recharge. I'm here today on a very exciting episode because it's our second episode with this phenomenal guest, Selena Bartlett, neuroscientist, brilliant woman, lovely woman. Last time on episode number seven, she shared with us her personal story, how she was introduced to mental health in a personal way with her sister and the journey that, the fa- and that her family had with mental illness and the tragedy of losing her sister and how she had a career change and how she went back into understanding how the brain works, not only pharmaceutical, but how the brain works and how can we change certain things in our brain when our brain is not functioning properly. Now, welcome, Selena. Thank you for joining us again. Hello, everyone. Um, If you do not tune into episode number seven before you listen to this, I really recommend you tune off here and go back to episode number seven because I think it's a very strong foundation to what we're going to be speaking about today. So, and if you did listen to episode number seven, you're going to really appreciate this upcoming episode. So, a lot of people reached out to me after they listened to episode number seven, and they said, we want to hear more about Selena's work and how, what, how she developed this whole neuroplasticity in her own life, what she learned about it, how it affected her, and what she does now day to day to implement it and share it with the world. So Selena, let's um, give a little bit of a quick background. At what point did you decide to go research neuroplasticity? So it was around about um, the, the actual day I was sitting in my office, and this was actually in Australia. This would have been 2013, but the seed was planted for neuroplasticity in my lab at UCSF in San Francisco in roundabout. I'm guessing it was something like 2009 because it was it was a seed that was planted that I hadn't realized until some time afterwards that I realized it grew into a tree. Now, what I mean by that is when I was running a lab at UCSF, I, I was the director of medications development. So I was developing drugs for alcohol addiction. And um, I was a pharmacist, as you know, trained neuroscientist. And I had a very much a medical approach. And I studied the brain just like that. And I was in charge of coming up with new medications to treat alcohol addiction, because there was very few at the time. Now, a young lady set up her lab next to me, and I think it was around 2009. She was trained by Michael uh, Merzenich, and he is very famous for building the Brain HQ platform, which is like Lumosity, but it's one built with more evidence base, um, and it's called Brain HQ. So this is where you do brain training. Now, she was trained by him, and she was looking at how songbirds sing, and anyway, 
and she set up a lab and then one day she was passing me in the corridor and she said to me, Selena, do you really think that you're going to be able to treat all men mental health problems with medications? And I, at the time, being arrogant and very naive, said yes. Mm. And so she said, come up to my lab. And I went, okay, sounds good. Because we used to have weekly principal investigator meetings. So I went up to her lab and there she, she just started. And what she's able to do is look inside the brain of like an animal training. Now, what they do is, and this is going to sound a bit gory, but, but she could look inside the top part of the brain and she had them exercising. And, we could, and she, I could actually see on the screen, these are adult brains, these are adult animals, not babies. We could see their brain changing and she was mapping it down to the finest detail. And, and I went, like at the time, it didn't really hit inside my brain. Um, because I was very, very narrowly focused on this one thing. And as you know, my lab discovered that Chantix um, is good for alcohol addiction. Mm -hmm. So that's what we were famous for. So I was, and I was funded by the NIH for all of that work. You know, I, I think right. I raised $8 million, wow. et cetera, and did all clinical trials and everything. Now, then I transitioned back to Australia. In that transition period, um, what happened was me, myself, <laughs> had was going through a lot of bad things personally which i didn't even realize mm -hmm. because i was running kids around i was running a big lab um you know etc cetera, etc cetera. i was getting very fat very unhealthy and i didn't even notice you know when you're not paying i was paying no attention to myself mm. anyway so i land back in australia and i start a lab there and i was funded to do the same kind of thing in the beginning i won a fellowship and another grant and then I went through a very major crisis, which without even, I really honestly did not believe this would ever happen to me. I just didn't. I thought I was, I could handle anything. I thought I was really strong. The doctor, the pharmacist. <laughs> the neuroscientist. Yeah, the yeah. scientist. You could do anything. Nothing can go yeah. wrong with me. I can figure anything out when it comes my way. Yeah. And also, interestingly, I've always been the person that just did everything for everyone else. The caretaker, like your sister. Yeah, kind of with my family. I won't go through all the things that happened um, personally to me because that's probably for another time. But what happened was I did, I can say that I did end up getting very depressed to the point where I couldn't get out of bed. And that really shocked me. And at the time, believe it or not, I was Second, writing... I want, I want to back up. So yeah. from, from the moment that you started feeling not like yourself and you thought yeah. that it was something's wrong till you got into, like you couldn't get out of bed, what, yeah. how long was that? I actually can't tell you. It became, so what happened was, and this is what I want to talk to your audience about, now in retrospect, I can kind of describe some of the steps involved. So one, remember I said to, to you, I stopped, uh, I'd become very unhealthy without right. recognizing it. My dress size slowly creeped up without me recognizing it. And, and it's not about weight gain per se. It was, I think that was a combination of how I was handling stress that I didn't even notice or pay mm -hmm. any attention to. I got back to Australia. I did start to run a bit. There was a whole lot of things because you now know I'm divorced. So there's a whole lot of things happening around that. Mm -hmm. um, that I don't really want to talk about on this podcast because it's not really appropriate here. Mm -hmm. But you can kind of just join the dots there. Right. And so that, that was going on in the background. Plus, um, we were transitioning back from America. The kids were struggling moving back. You know, there's a whole lot of things, starting new labs, um, trying to raise new money, et cetera. It was probably 
I think it's a slow thing. I think it probably was already happening to me in the US, but I was not paying attention. Mm -hmm. I thought I could handle anything. And so by the time you can't get out of bed, it's not like it just happened overnight. Right, right. <laughs> I, think, I think it was a slow me paying no attention thing. I was running two jobs. I mean, it's, it's crazy what I was doing if you, if you actually looked at it. Um, but the really the interesting thing from your audience perspective is I was actually sitting in my office. This is going to sound really crazy, but I was writing a book chapter on the molecular mechanisms. That is, there's things inside the brain that drive brain resilience, right? So the pathways inside the brain that make the brain more resilient. And as I was writing that book chapter, and I was depressed, right. wow. <laughs> um, I was writing that book chapter and, like, and then this whole huge light bulb, I can, I can remember the moment sitting there writing this chapter thinking, oh my God, your brain has learnt to become depressed. You really, that's what you were like, wow. Yes. learnt it. It learnt it, definitely learnt it because it was learning it. And as I keep talking about and why I'm so passionate about this now is because then I had to unlearn it, but not unlearn it, but relearn it. Then, then I was like, oh my God, my brain can learn to be resilient. Wow. You see, I, while I was writing that book chapter, <laughs> you see, because um, I know that it's, I know this is where we get into the spirituality concepts, which is a whole different podcast because I've been in that realm too now. And it's almost like these things happen for a reason, right? Because at that point I'd been studying mental health problems for my sister and I'd been intellectualizing the issues. I'd never, in my opinion at that point, suffered myself. Mm -hmm. I thought I could handle anything. That was my approach to life. And then it's sad to say, but it was not until I really experienced something very traumatic myself and went down big time that I really got to see inside the brain in a different way. And, like and that determined maybe from a different from a different place in your soul, you were determined to figure it out because the pain was much stronger than seeing somebody going through it, but actually experiencing it. Exactly. And, um, and also I realized, so I, I, I should step back and say, I did see a doctor and I did, and they did give me a plan to take medicine and to see a psychologist. And I just refused to, I just couldn't take the medicine because I know too, cause I'm a pharmacist and I just not, and this is not against that. Okay. So I don't want anyone, this is me. This is my, right. this is my very personal experience. Okay. So I want to put that out there. This is just anecdotal evidence and it's just my experience. And I've been studying the brain for 20 years. Mm -hmm. and drugs and everything right. and running labs and seeing every, I see everything. I know how I know a lot of stuff, right? So, so it's a bit different when you're coming from that perspective. And I want to put that out there because I don't want, because some things really help people in that moment. Right. And it's necessary in order to heal. It's so necessary for many people. And right. so, but, and then I did see a psychologist too, but I only lasted on uh, to two visits. And that's because I recognized very clearly that I had to rewire my brain. And I, I, I have, I need to stop you for a second because yeah. I have a, uh, I'm afraid I'm going to forget this question. Yeah. You said that because you knew pharmacology, you did not want to take medicine. Is yeah. that because you were, 
is it because of the negative or the positive of what you knew about the brain that you said it can overcome the the positive that I can get from the medication? The medication is good, but it yes. also has a lot of chemicals that I don't want to bring onto my body or or, mm-hmm. or or expose myself to because I know I've made medication. I know what it goes into. It, <laughs> and I rather take the harder route of learning the brain a little bit further and figuring out how I can fix it because I know that I can. That certainty that I know that I can fix the brain, I'm going to do that versus exposing myself to the negative side effects of medication. Yeah, so that's a so basically there's all of those elements, but I want to I want to put out there at that moment I did not know that I'd be able to rewire my brain. I set about doing it very intentionally because I'd just written a book chapter about the underlying mechanism inside the brain that drives learning. Because I I, I knew that you could learn to become resilient by doing brain training techniques that and no one had really written that out for me for depression at all I just thought that's what I'm meant to do Mm. I don't know where it came from don't know why I did it it's completely against anything I'd done in the past but it was just like it was like almost you could I guess maybe you could call it a divine intervention I don't know I I would never have said that at the time but now I do six years down the track yes I do know about all the positive effects of drugs because I was developing them I also know about all the negative effects because I watched my sister go through a lot and I know about all the side effects and I knew if I went in that pathway I'd probably have to stay in that pathway for a long time and I just wasn't ready to do that I would have probably done it if I had to if I really had to do it and so it could it could be that um the answer to that question is that maybe I wasn't as depressed as someone else Mm. I don't know the spectrum of depression I've never been totally clinically depressed where I've been put in a hospital and I really am catatonic and can't move so I can't Mm. speak to that like most maybe some people would look at me and say well you're probably not that depressed you know um and that could be it could be, but I mean, I did have, I mean, the reason I ended up at the doctors because I was standing on a bridge just right. FYI. Wow. So I did have suicide ideation. I'm not going to say I didn't. Wow. Um, and you so had kids at the time. I did. And the thing that saved me was I was walking my dog around on a walk and that's what saved me, to be honest. That's when I went to the doctor um, because then I realized that... <laughs> Maybe I, yeah, yeah, maybe I need to. Not positive, and you need to, yes, do something about it. Yeah, and so that's that's, and then that was the turning point. That was the rock bottom, and then, um, and then everything since that time, really, as you know, it's a slow trajectory forward. But that was the rock bottom. So that's I haven't really ever been back to that place Um, and I don't intend to because it's like a spiral I worked out from a brain perspective and once you get into the spiral, it's just harder to take the steps up. So what I like to say now is I like to help people scar that part of the brain so you can just put in a bridge Mm. because you don't want to like because life is up and down. So there's no like up, 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 up. It's up and down. But I just don't want to ever go back all the way back down again because it was just hard work coming back up. Right. Um, so what I noticed, um, and this is where I think maybe your audience might benefit from, is what I noticed, and this is one way to tell how your brain's going on a daily basis, is what I noticed was the sky never looked blue again. It was, uh, it, as, as I got really kept going down, the sky, even if it was really blue because Australia's really bright, it looked really great. Physically. Me. 
physically gray and the trees didn't not look, in your mind in your eyes in my eyes it, the the trees didn't look very bright didn't notice flowers uh, I, I was just noticing a dulling of everything wow. which i thought that that might be something of interest to the audience because what and that, that what I now know from a brain perspective is, of course it is, the brain's turned down, you know, I've turned it right down. Um, I haven't got anything positive going on inside there. I wasn't in control of any of this. I was letting my brain dictate all of this. Right. So that's why I say to you, we've got to teach people how to become the boss of the brain, not let the brain take over because <laughs> it does. And it right. does it at such a fast rate. It was, yeah, that's the beauty for me of being a neuroscientist and having that happen is that I could actually see and feel and know what was going on. Mm. And then, and then writing this book chapter turned me around and then I'm like, okay, Selena Bartlett, you're going to have to fix this. <laughs> Wow. And you're gonna and I, I set an intention um, after a very specific event um, to say to myself, okay, you're going to teach your brain how to change. You're going to, you're going to start on day one. Walk outside. There was a little waterfall in the park outside the apartment that we were living in at the time in Brisbane. You're going to go and look at that waterfall and just find something good in it. And that's kind of how I started the process. I, I remember the day. And it's been a journey since then. And then I'm like, oh, my God, I got all of this so wrong. Wow. <laughs> so I had to retool my whole research lab also because um, it was clear that um, there's no way that the thing that was kind of going to be prescribed for me was going to change what was happening in my life. It that would led numb to it. it. Maybe it would numb it, but it wouldn't change the way. No. Yeah, because it's multiple generations of wiring, you know, that led to my situation. It wasn't just a couple of events. It was right. the way my brain took it in. It's right. what happened. You know, it's the lack of me even understanding that my brain's doing that. Right. Because you said, you mentioned, you said the word, my brain learned to be depressed. What does that yes. mean? What, is, what, was that, what was that light bulb? My brain learned to be depressed. What does that mean? So it means that um, the brain's got wiring and like just as you learn a language, right? So if you are focusing on learning a new language, yeah. right, then you have to repeat a certain vowel a certain sound and you repeat and you repeat and next minute you're not even thinking about it now if every morning i'm waking up and the sky is looking gray everything's eventually the brain is thinking it's pointless but is it every day we're thinking that is it like when somebody is teaching the brain how to be depressed as you say you taught your brain how to be depressed so i wouldn't say me i would say my brain was your brain doing it your brain. And, yeah. So I was set up from previous generations too. Do you know what I mean? So I'm more susceptible to that than I realized. You were pre-programmed right. to be susceptible to depression. Yes. yes without no, without right. knowing it. And same and go back multiple generations. Right. But right. I was the super strong person. Right. So, and I had no idea that this is how the brain worked at the same time. And I was studying the brain. So your light bulb went off and said, okay, my, this is a program that I, I, that my brain was doing for generations yes. and it just took place and yeah. that's what happened. So I need to unwire it, reteach yeah. it a new language. It's basically when somebody like someone, God forbid, has a stroke and they have mm -hmm. to learn yeah. how to walk, how to talk. Yes. Yes, Jill so Bolt Taylor's yeah. TED Talk. Jill Bolt Taylor's TED Talk. So I started listening to all of those okay. TED Talks as well. And like, look what happened to her brain, mm. right? She lost huge amounts, 
not just her, tons of people, they lose huge amounts of capacity in their brain. I hadn't lost all the capacity in my brain. It was just the way my brain was functioning. So I had full capacity of my brain. And so in that moment, it's like, oh my God, if someone like Jill Bolt-Taylor can rewire her brain, why can't we teach myself first? Because I have to do it myself first. Why can't we teach other people to do that for depression, anxiety, um, schizophrenia, bipolar, um, all of these things? It made total sense to me in that moment. It's like, oh my God, we can teach people how to train the brain for resilience to make it because the brain's really strong. Right. Really strong. So and you're so, basically connecting the dots that are yes. connected. You're, you're creating. I remember my psychiatrist was trying to explain to me what happened to me. I'm like, I don't understand. I was a happy person. I was well, like what changed? Mm-hmm. He said they're disconnected. They're disconnecting certain wiring that was wired well, and now they're just disconnected and we have to reconnect them yes. and put in more energy. And once they're connected, we have to make them stronger. Yes, that's exactly what neuroplasticity. Right, that's exactly what neuroplasticity is. Absolutely. Do you believe that every person can actually rewire? Yes, but it's simple, but not easy. If it was easy, everyone would do it, right? right? So we have to. So, so if this was easy, um, I would be like sitting on the moon somewhere, right? (laughs) 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 Everyone would be doing it, and right. Right, but, but the thing about this and why people aren't doing it is because one, we've never taught people this is how the brain gets wired. Mm-hmm. Two, what you just got told about the connections going away. Mm-hmm. Three, showing that if we did daily brain training, we could actually prevent some of those connections going away with stress. Wow. You mean to uh, not even have it happen? It, well, have it less. Like I can never say anything's a hundred percent because there's a whole lot of stuff we don't know. I, these are just the parts. I know mm-hmm. from my study, but I know that there's going to be more and more stuff that'll come out too with time that we don't, that, you know, will reveal itself in a different way. But this is just the bit I do know. Um, that's why I'm so passionate about getting it to kids and schools and, and things like that, because there's some of this daily brain training concept of, you know, like you talk about gratitude, right? Gratitude's a daily practice and that gratitude is actually helping to keep some of those connections together, right? Because right. you think of how good you feel when you thank somebody or you tell them that you love them or you just feel good, right? So what are you doing? You're making, you're sending up good brain chemicals inside your brain, right? You know so what? you've got so, to balance the negative right. ones. <laughs> right, right. And right? it's just a ripple effect and then you, you build that muscle and then it becomes stronger. Exactly. Exactly, exactly. And that's just one small little example, you know, of brain training or neuroplasticity. So, you know, how you talked about that lost connections Mm -hmm. and now having to reconnect them. That's all neuroplasticity means. That's it. That's neuroplasticity in action. And you're just different exercises. And when people think about obesity and, and bodybuilding or training physically, so there's different workouts for the body, either to lose mm-hmm. weight, to, to lose weight, to build muscle, to be fit, to feel more healthy, to feel more strong. So there's different fitness programs for the body and you have different fitness programs for the brain. Okay. Let me give you this one, which I like, cause you know, I'm a pharmacist. So I gave a presentation and um, I put up a little prescription pad and it said brain plasticity starter elixir. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So it is um, number one, engage, as in set the intention when you wake in the morning that you're going to train your brain. Then stand up tall, push your shoulders back, 
and immediately what you're doing is already taking control of some aspect of your brain health, then just exercise and move your body. Like even if you can't just move your arms or something, you're going to get the dopamine flowing, which is really good for you. Number three is if you're having, if you're struggling with um, wanting to reduce weight, because that can lead to people being upset, uh, unhappy sometimes, just to try skipping a meal, for example. Then what we'll talk about later is how to stop the brain, the MIGI part of the brain, which we haven't talked about, but that's the part of the brain that's super reactive to all of the negative things going on. Mm-hmm. So that's the rewiring concept is, and I call it having a MIGI moment. Mm-hmm. Like we're not even really aware that Miggy's going off. And that certainly was my case. I had no idea. I was just letting the brain take control. And the first thing I did was to start to notice Miggy moments and stop them and take a pause mm. and so that I could engage that top part of the brain to reconnect again. Instead of letting it build up and then yeah, build up, build up, build up, build up, especially during the day when we're really busy mm-hmm. and you have all these things hitting you, hitting you, hitting you, you've never paused, but the brain is not paused. You know what I mean? The brain's right. processing every part right. of that. Right. Right. <laughs> so it's just, it's just starting to pay attention and awareness. Um, just like we did for stopping smoking once or when we like now that you have soul cycle and you have physical trainers and we didn't have that 15 right. years ago or the awareness that that's a good thing to do, did we? Right. So I feel like I don't, I feel that's why I'm so passionate and hopeful. And that's why I like hope for recharge because there is hope. Right. And the hope is that knowledge raises all boats. So, you know, let's get to know the brain a little bit. Yeah. So when, when you went to the doctor, you said, I'm going to do this on my own. Yeah. And you were depleted at the time. Yeah. Who coached you through it? Did you do it on your <laughs> Me? own? I did. Did you write um, down a program for yourself? A daily uh, program? Did you say, okay, I'm, I'm, this is it. I'm taking charge of my brain. I'm fixing it and I, I'm going to be better. Yeah. I just worked out. I know this is, this is going to sound the technical neuroscientist part of it, but you know how David Goggins came along. You can't hurt me. You know how he had that moment watching Rocky. Mm-hmm. We said, right, I'm going to go and jump in the pool. He made him stay, him, he made himself do it. Right, right. So I did the same thing, but I did it for brain training. <laughs> right. But what do you tell people that don't have your, first of all, they don't have your knowledge and they're depleted. They don't want to suffer for one more because I'm sure it took you years. No, well, it didn't actually. The turnaround was about a month. The that's first it? Step. No, 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 not, that's not it. That's this, the beginning was, the, was about a month to, to, to recognize that, oh my God, I've just trained my amygdala to notice everything that's negative. Oh, okay. And so my amygdala in the emotional part of my brain is super active. So I need to work out ways to start stopping that. And that's when I would wake up in the morning and I'd go and look at that little waterfall and start to notice, oh, there's a little bit of sun shining off it or reflecting off it. Uh, Another thing is just to put a little bit of perfume on your arm, like just do something nice, just something good for yourself. Like everyone's in a... Yeah, so if you can't get out of bed, I'd recommend reading my book, Get to Know Your Brain. So just so as in why, why this is so hard for, every, for different people is because each of our brains is wired differently. 
-hmm. So my brain has had a completely different set of circumstances that drove it to where it went to. Other people have even way more wiring on that emotional part of the brain that stresses them out more. What they need to do is will take a bit longer or they might need to do it for, for you know, different time periods, for example. But how do they figure out what exercise works for them and what their brain needs since they don't know the brain like you do? Well, it's, well because the brain is just going to, it's just what I said to you, it's about taking in positive, start to fill the brain with more positive things than negative things. Mm-hmm. because the brain at the moment when it's seriously depressed is just looking for negative things mm-hmm. so each one knows what will fuel his soul his brain and his soul for positivity that's what you're trying to say i think everybody needs everyone to has what attracts them to the positive energy and if they don't at that time just try something right. so for example i did the going to look at the waterfall i don't know why i did that but i guess i started to notice that i couldn't see anything good in life mm-hmm. nothing I could see nothing good. Everything seemed bad, bad, bad. Mm-hmm. And what was the point and all of that? So um, I did have, I, I should back up and say, I did have my mother that did call me. She didn't realize how bad I was. I didn't tell anybody. At one point when I was crying all the time, um, she did just tell me to go and have a shower. Right. Right. <laughs> For example. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> I spoke about it in one of my first podcasts that if you have a somebody that can motivate you to just take a shower it just something changes yeah exactly you even if it's one two percent more energy or a little bit more refreshed or you feel a little bit more negative yeah and i I think positive for that moment yeah and so you you do know i'm building an app too because because of this purpose and i think having your community so if people can't get out of bed at least we have technology and it does help in the beginning so Mm -hmm. even if you're part of a small group and you don't have a family support system and and, you know i didn't have a huge one my partner my my now ex-husband he certainly was not around at all which was also driving my depression Mm -hmm. um at the time i'm not blaming him right completely i'm just saying um so i'm just trying to reach out to a hunt yeah everyone out there i know everyone's got different experiences so i don't want to think that you've got to have this you've got to have that because you necessarily don't have it right right but but what we all do have right now is a phone (laughs) right and so much connection ability yeah Yeah. and so the fact that we can have this podcast now that i didn't have six years ago turn to um or you know all sorts of podcasts actually i find them incredibly valuable for people to get new information because it's just getting the knowledge like and also like the one thing i love to say to people stop blaming yourself and blame your brain or don't blame anything yeah but sometimes blaming the brain is really powerful because then you know you can change it too Right. Because it's Miggy. I like I like to call this because to make it simpler, I like to call it Miggy. Miggy's been wired for millions of years of evolution. Mm-hmm. It's not even to do with your family necessarily. Mm-hmm. And that's why you can't really unpack it. So that's why I set about to do brain training because I knew I could never really understand where it all the wiring came from because we can't really. Because it could have been my auntie from fifth century. Right. <laughs> Right, exactly. <laughs> and and it's not, there are triggers that cause us to go into this direction. And anxiety is similar, but in a different way, right? Mm-hmm. Worrying about our future. And, you know, I've had that too recently in the last number of years because of menopause and divorce and, you know, other things. Right. So I just want to tell you <laughs> right. that 
it sounds really simple, but just understand that Miggy's been wired and, and it's wired for a good reason. And that's to keep you alive and safe. Wow. That's its primary job. That's it. Wow. It's very old. It's the most hardwired, oldest part of your brain. And it's coming up out of your spinal cord, your brain stem. Then you hit the amygdala area. Its primary job is to keep you alive. And it's done a great job because we're all sitting here having podcasts. I'm still alive. But it's also got these design flaws. And one of them is taking in negative things at a high rate over positive things, especially if you're wired for that. But what's the purpose of taking? Why? Because it makes you escape from from bad things fast. Mm -hmm. So like as an example, a car's coming across you, you can jump out really quickly. The other day I was running on one of my favorite trails and I ran past this woman and she jumped like crazy just because I scared her, but I'm like, oh my God, her brain's really hyperactive. So I can right. tell that she's got a really right. strong Miggy. Right. That, that could have been me six years ago. Right. Anything would have triggered me, actually. That's another thing to notice. What I noticed was if something dropped, I'd have a really big reaction to it. Because we're super hypersensitive. Or- yes. Right. Yes. And, it's it, and that's wiring, right? It's wiring. I have that. So, so what's a good exercise to do for that? Well, this is the daily thing where you go do your deep breathing. You have to notice that you're having a Miggy moment. Is it that's a, uh, uh, is that a term? Miggy? I, I, I call it Miggy moments because it's, it's just, I like to call it that because it's just telling yourself, oh, it's just the way my brain's wired about this. It's not you. It's just, I've got to train that because it's like what you're doing right now. I'm not surprised. You have so much going on. You know, it's a lot really. Um, you've, kids and partner and business <laughs> and now podcasts and yeah. Yeah. summer and oh right. my I'm yeah. not surprised you're going off to be honest <laughs> <laughs> I'd be shocked if you weren't but is there any way to have a calm Miggy yes well that's what we do you can read that's what I'm saying it's been wired for a long time but you can actively just like Jill Ball Taylor when you do this daily exercises from the minute you wake up you set your intention that you're going to be training your brain to take in positive experiences over negative experiences then you're actually actively rewiring that part of the brain to calm it down how many minutes a morning do uh, how long how long how many minutes every day does someone a practical person that wants to actually say okay fine i listen to this podcast i'm inspired i want to start doing this how many well, minutes do they have to devote to this I would I would do it the main thing is to get started so I like to tell people one to five minutes in the morning before you get out of bed Mm -hmm. just to get started because if you if I say to you what I actually do then you won't do it and that's because I discovered something that's very powerful and it's and it's just changed my whole life Mm -hmm. my life's in a completely different place now than what it was but now I do you know I run every day I I'm plant-based now you know, I've just, I do a lot of different things because I know it really works. But in the beginning, I was just doing one to five minutes just to see if I could turn it around. And was that and enough to turn around? Y- yes. Well, that's what started that kicks. I could call it the light bulb moment. I call it your aha moment. I call it the setting the intention that I'm going to do this for myself. Mm-hmm. I'm going to take control. I'm going to become the boss of my brain. That's what those one to three minutes do for you every morning. And then once you do the one to three minutes and then you're, you're a, a little bit better, you feel like you're okay. You're yes. noticing positive. Yes. But- Yes. Your brain attract itself to that yes. type of yes. exercise. Yes, 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 <laughs> yes. 
Yes. You're attracted to healthier food, you're healthier people, you disconnect from negative people around you, negative energy. Not straight away, not straight away. Yeah, but I'm saying it's a process. It's a process. And so think of it so there's this other part of the brain that's called the striatum that takes in your habits. Okay, it has two sections to it. It has an automatic section and it has a section where you're learning new things. Mm-hmm. When you're learning to drive, you, ha- you have your hands at 10 to 2, right? And you've got to put your foot on the gas, etc. Mm-hmm. Remember that first experience. Oh, my God, how am I going to do this? Right. Do you think about how to drive now? No. So right. what happened no. is it's now automatic. Right. Same for this. So that thing I'm telling you that you're starting out in the morning, one minute, just to set your brain, I'm going to become the boss of my brain, is setting a new section of your brain off. It's like learning to drive again. And then it's going to know what the next step they need in order to, it becomes to evolve. That, exactly. It becomes automatic. So when I wake up in the morning, I look out the window and go, oh my God, it's such a beautiful place to live. Right. right. That's what I do every morning. I, but in the beginning, I didn't. Mm. in the beginning I did not that's why I said to you I made myself go and look at the waterfall Mm. so you have to set some if it was easy to do everyone would do it so in the beginning when you're really down I'm talking really down here Mm -hmm. it is difficult and I know that right but that's why I wrote this book is to give people the knowledge that you can do it by setting this intention. So even if you can't get yourself out of bed to do this, if you can just start to set the intention. I have people that have laid in bed and just literally opened the curtain and looked at the tree outside Mm. in the beginning. That's all I did. And they had just left rehab. They'd been in and out of rehab for two years, addicted to alcohol. I did that. I wasn't, oh. I wasn't an alcoholic. No, but you were depressed. Yeah, right? I was depressed and there was one tree outside my window. Oh, yes. It There's was another... a pear tree. Oh my and God. I, I would notice when the leaves were falling because oh. I, the, I, I was looking and that was, I, I never told this to anybody. And now yes. I, I, it's funny so much that you're saying now, I realize you were doing it. I was doing neuroplasticity all along and I didn't well, even you've, know that. Yeah, well, you've done it because look at you, you're doing yeah. a podcast. So the only way you got here was retraining your brain. Oh, absolutely. And as I'm talking to you, I'm like, oh my gosh, that, that I used to look at that tree and I used to say, if it can evolve, I can also evolve. Yes. And I used to look at the small changes that the tree was going through yes. every day. Yes. If it was if it was leaning towards a certain way, if the yeah, leaves yeah, yeah. were faster or slower i said if a tree could do this i could do it and the same tree it's funny because we moved you know we moved to Boca and then we moved to a different part of long island and we came back and when i opened my window from my bedroom and i saw the tree i smiled i'm like yeah. there's my tree oh i know there's my tree that saved me all that time in bed that i would look at and now it's so much bigger and and taller and like you like you because you're standing up tall again yeah but I want you to know that so many people ask me how did you evolve how did you like the old matana is not the now and I said I was determined to change and I learned slowly what the real matana needed and they're like how did you learn I said I don't know I just like I went with I if I noticed that certain people weren't good for me I just decided to not interact if there were certain if there's certain foods that would set my mood I would step away from them if there were certain events certain triggers I learned which before I didn't even know that there was an option of putting up boundaries exactly and And my uh, body learned and now it's automatic yeah exactly automatic by me certain things I'm still working very hard on other boundaries and to the next level of 
of healing and feeling really good and and acceptance and less stress and anxiety, which is, but the thing is that you were saying is noticing. And I do notice. I notice when I'm going downhill very fast and I'm like, okay, breathe, breathe, think about it, come to center and make a plan. Mm-hmm. So what you're doing there is you're training your brain to respond and not react. Mm-hmm. And that's the way that your amygdala has been wired and now you've rewired part of that, but we're on a journey to keep doing it because we've never taught anyone how to do this. So when you're older, it's much harder to do this compared to when you're younger because the brain's more plastic. Mm-hmm. And the fact that we've never taught kids this just drives me crazy. It's crazy. They do gym every day. Why no, should they not do that? Yes. Well, because we don't, I don't know why it's just where we are. I look at it as I don't get angry anymore. I just get, that's just where we are. We're on a journey and part of having podcasts and all of this capability now is offers us the opportunity to one, give these beautiful lived experiences to people to see, Oh my God, that we're not alone at all. And two, to impart knowledge that no one can get access to like that. I, I had access to a lot of knowledge because of what I did for a living. And I felt very um, ashamed of myself that I didn't impart this to the public mm. uh, because we do have a lot of knowledge now that's just not out there. And it's in terms, that no one can understand so that's why I wrote Smashing Mindset and Miggy Matters was the first book I wrote Mm -hmm. because and I illustrated it and I spent a long time every day writing that book but because of the title being Miggy Matters people like what the hell is Miggy (laughs) but for me Miggy's it Miggy's the problem and it's the solution right it all starts Um, and ends with Miggy it does and Miggy's such a cute term because I used to train people in a gym here and then this woman said to me oh my god I'm having a Miggy moment I went oh that's it you got it right that's it that's all it is now stop like you said you're having a Miggy moment you just stop take a deep breath step away And what you've done is given a time for your top part of your brain to respond more rationally rather than just go off on its normal pathway. Because remember the way you react to things is often just how you learnt as a child or how your mother did it or how your father did it or how your grandmother did it. So that was all learnt, right? Right. Right. So when we're rewiring the brain and we're doing neuroplasticity, we're basically setting up a whole new way of learning to do the way we respond to people or things. Right. Now, just remember this, mirror neurons, your, teach, your kids are copying you. So right. you're passing on a new way Absolutely. too. Absolutely. And that's going to go on for three subsequent generations. Right. Wow. So, you know, How you've just changed it. The role modeling. Oh, and you've just changed the trajectory of your family's history of how they responded to things. Right. Wow. You know, it's so incredibly powerful. Like, and I've, and the, the coolest thing of all is, taking my teenage daughter through this, thinking a mother can't do, I was doing it for myself, but my daughter obviously went through something too because of the divorce and everything. And I'm thinking, can I do this for my daughter? Um, Because, you know, it's hard mother to daughter. But then, you know, I just did the simple things. I just did the little candle with the positive message. I started the simplest things. I didn't tell her what I was doing. Oh, she wasn't aware. No, I couldn't because then she's like, she's a teenage girl, 14 at at the time. And, um, and of course it's up and down. There's no, this is not a cure all uh, and everyone's different. I want to put it out there. We're not all the same and not one thing's going to work for, there's not one, like, as you said, like the tree worked for you and I, but maybe someone else doesn't love trees like you and I do. But I, but you know what I mean? It's the simple daily, tiniest little things that kickstart the brain to start making it. The brain is powerful. Make the brain look for the good. 
Mm-hmm. So you do, what you're doing is you're training your brain to actually start to now turn itself away from taking in five times the rate it takes in mm-hmm. negative over positive. You're just trying to make it three times for right. in the beginning, right? Right. right. And it's just, it, it's just amazing. And the brain will do it. It's just right. the most, pa- so whatever you set your intention on, the brain will take you there, right? So set your intention that you're going to wiggle your toes. Right. Set the intention that you're just going to open the window and look at the tree. Now, why trees are so powerful or flowers and nature and animals or, whole, or just hug your cat or whatever it is, why that's so powerful? The tree is so powerful because the roots of the tree contain the same machinery that our brain contains in terms of signaling. Mm. Did you know that? The way it oh. takes up nutrients the way it sucks up nutrients into those is we have the same apparatus in our brain. Mm. That's how old the brain is, you see. Wow. And what's the whole job of the tree? Survival. Right. Wow. And what's the whole job for humans? Survival. Wow. And so that part of the brain is so strongly wired for survival. And so some of us have more hardwired survival reactions. Mm-hmm than others. And so that's why people, children um, of parents from the Holocaust, for example, suffer maybe more in depression and anxiety because of that wiring. And it's not just, it's people coming out of war or poverty, Mm -hmm. um, incarceration. We can go on and on, but those brains, as you can see, are going to be more going to be taking in more negative experiences than other brains. Now, if someone is practicing this for, let's say, a year and you took a picture of its brain, would it be a different picture in a year? Yeah. You actually see a difference? You will see a difference. So um, uh, Barbara Arrowsmith-Young has been doing this kind of um, neuroplasticity work for a long time for kids with learning difficulties, and she has schools around the world. And she has now a researcher called Lara Boyd who's been looking at the brain imaging, um, doing looking at these kids with learning difficulties up in Vancouver. And um, what you'll see is a change in the prefrontal cortex and a reduction in the amygdala area. Um, so the amygdala is the MIGI area, right, which is um, overreactive when you see more negative things than positive. Mm-hmm. Um, the other big study that, in terms of changes inside the brain came from imaging the Buddhist monks. Um, so Richard Davidson's lab and then Sarah, Sarah Laser at Harvard. Mm-hmm. So that's where mindfulness came from, sprung from. So basically what they did is they took the monks out and, and scanned their brains. And what they showed was, and this is a lot of practice, but it's very severe brain change. So they have an in, increased insula, which is up in the top part of the brain, the prefrontal cortex, and a reduction in the amygdala area, mm-hmm. such that when they gave, when they put off some scary thing next to yeah. the, the brains being imaged, uh, the monks being imaged, they yeah. didn't have any reaction. You know how ah. you're saying, you know how you're saying you get a reaction? Right. They did not react. Ah. That's how they'd retrain Miggy or the it amygdala part of their brain. No, no. See what I'm saying? <laughs> but we all can't do 40,000 hours of meditation practice. But so Sarah Laser, then they took, they took students and did mindfulness training for three or four weeks and showed not exactly the same extent of brain change, but some small amount of brain change there. Wow. So, and I think as we get the technology uh, more and more, we're going to be able to see that um, people now doing, there's a lot more people doing meditative practice now yeah, as an they example. they realized that it helped. Well, that, that helps because what is it doing? Um, it's just giving that brain the chance to calm down, right? Right. 
and to give it more opportunity to process slowly and yeah more slowly and not to react so right. miggy why it reacts is because the, its primary job is to make you either freeze fight or run away right so That's think of those attack, right yeah so when we freeze and we can't get out of bed right it's really shut down that's mm. our risk. We just want to go under covers right. and isolate. Right. So that's Miggy on fire, right? Then there's other people that just want to run away. Mm -hmm. right? They just escape. They run away from everything. Right. right. You know? Right. Um, so that's their reaction to something. And then, then other people might get really angry or want to hurt somebody or have revenge or, you know, those kind of things. So each, each of us have different ways of responding to different types of stresses. Right. And that's its primary job. That's it. <laughs> wow. Wow. Now, people that are on medication, that they're they're, the medication is basically numbing the feelings, right? It's yes. the reaction. Yes. So do they use these exercises as well? Yes. yes and definitely. then they can get stronger to try to definitely. work off and see how it works, right? Definitely. Absolutely. Wanna, so so I, I found that I could not, be without medication my pain yes. was so strong but i was yeah. determined to heal i yes. was driven i did not want to get no as an answer I can said, i just ask you one question what was your moment that made you determined to change when i was sitting in my room and i said i have no desire to live but i want to live i yeah. did i could not take another moment of that darkness and that's when I called my mother and I said, come help me find somebody that can fix me. I'm broken. I said, I'm broken. I don't even know what happened to me, but I need, I know that I can't function. I can't eat. I can't sleep. I I'm shaking like a leaf. I don't see the love in my life. I couldn't even see my kids. I, my, my anxiety was so high. My depression was so strong. I said, this rock bottom needs to change. And I went on a quest to look for anything that can fix me. Great. And so you tried a lot of things. I right? tried a lot of things and it wasn't, and I believe that it all helped me. It yes. all, it was one, a cocktail. Well, but I actually think was I actually, can I just say to you and for your audience or anyone in similar situation, just that moment, mm -hmm. just that moment when you set the intention, mm -hmm. set the brain off looking for the solutions. Mm -hmm. Right. So the brain is that strong. It's a machine right. like that. Right. That really, that, like you were saying to me, what, 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 what is it? What is it? If, if there's someone right now listening could just do that right now, say to themselves. It's an acceptance. It's an acceptance that says, I am going to heal. And know that you can. Right. Know that the brain is so strong. Right. It will do, like, and you can practice. You can, you can even test it out. Like just go and look at something positive right now, like the tree or the flower. And even if it's just a tiny change, a little feeling that makes you feel better, even if you just write a little text to someone say, oh, thank you for helping me or just right. the tiniest little thing and notice right. that makes you feel better. Then you see that you are the boss. Right. Don't let the brain be the boss anymore. So when you said that to your mother, you took control of your brain. So a lot of people tell me um, about loved ones that they live with. Um, they'll say to me, well, you were, the reason why you healed is because you were determined to heal and you were, lurk, you were looking, even though you were depleted, you were searching, you were, you're on a quest. How do we get our loved one 
to to go looking when they don't even they're not aware that they're so- um how about putting earphones in on this podcast <laughs> it's not gonna work <laughs> not gonna no, work because, no because people that don't want to be don't want to accept the fact or they a lot of people feel victimized oh i feel this way because I was abused as a child. Oh, well, that's was, true. So it's the, true. They that, love playing the victim. They don't realize that they need to take action to not become the victim and live their life versus blaming everybody around it in their life. Yeah, well, but, I was doing yeah. the same thing um, too. Um, we all do it. The uh, question is, at what point do we say, okay, even though I'm a victim, I'm, I, I'm, I feel sorry for myself. I'm noticing the pain. It is there. It is real. But I need to change because I'm not willing to live the rest of my life in this state. Yeah. Uh, so you're asking the question about loved ones trying to help others. that. How do you get them to take that? Because you're saying it's all about setting that intention and say, okay, now I'm, I'm, I am. But that's from the person that's actually depressed right. in the attention, right? So but you're someone, asking, how do we get, how do we get them to set that intention? Well, that's going to be a slow build up too, right? So the fact that you have loved ones that even care enough to want to make that change to me says that they're going to change. Something else that's very powerful in terms, this is for now the loved ones trying to help. And it does, and you do feel totally helpless. You really do. And I feel for you. And um, so this is, this is where I was telling you what I did for my daughter. And she wasn't really, it wasn't totally bad, but it's still that helpless feeling. Oh my God, what am I going to do? Um, and so what I said to you earlier, it's the smallest, tiniest little things. You're not telling them anything. You're not doing anything. You're just providing those positive experiences that they have to look at. Yeah. <laughs> so it's a hard, I, it's a hard place so well it is hard it is hard but love wins love wins Mm. my next book is called love more because love is the answer to everything love love supersedes and is the antidote to stress which is a beautiful finish maybe for this podcast because that's principle six in my book from an unromantic version of love unconditional love Mm -hmm. solves almost every problem in the world and we probably wouldn't have as many episodes of depression and anxiety if people really understood that from the age of zero to three and previous generations but that's just not going to change right we can't change the past so what i mean by that okay here's a loved one listening what do i do just keep loving them take them flowers people that suffer from mental health problems do not get flowers um take flowers that's it because as you said what did we say we looked at a pear tree i looked at a waterfall in the beginning the first steps out right so find could, those flowers that that person likes, whatever it is. Is it a song, a walk, a meal, a, a kind a word? A meal, a piece of chocolate. Right. Um, whatever that person. Uh, you just keep showing up even, no matter, even if they're horrible to you. Mm-hmm. This is what unconditional love is. It's love without condition. Which very few hard. people really, it's very hard. But if, as I said to you, if this was easy, <laughs> no one would be depressed. Right. so i honestly believe and we often always have unconditional love we well we don't actually this is the interesting thing why i'm writing the book we don't really have unconditional love for our kids even unconditional love is actually very difficult because we have expectations and stuff like that but mental health really makes you realize what unconditional love really is oh yes it it shows up in your face it really does so that's my my solution and there's no total solution but 
my advice right. as someone that's been with someone with mental health and wished I could have done it better than I did and what I learned from that experience, mm-hmm. someone that suffered from it and then had also had to help my daughter a little bit, just keep showing up and bringing those positive experiences into play, whether it's in a hospital, whether it's in their bedroom, whether it's at that little smile, mm-hmm. it's a reflex. They kind of have to smile back even though they won't for a long time. What I've seen is that love heals. So even the worst of relationships where people have been really nasty to you, Mm -hmm. love wins always. I love that. It just does. And love, and what I mean by this, it's not some airy-fairy thing, honestly. It's endorphins, Mm -hmm. it's serotonin, Mm -hmm. it's dopamine and it's oxytocin. And what are all those hormones that's what we're trying to get. We get some of those with the drugs that we might take. We're lacking it when we're depressed and we need to. Yes. And that's where the food thing comes in, right? Because we now know the microbiome promotes serotonin levels. I notice myself when I eat more vegetables, I'm just vibrating at a completely different level. So much happier in some ways, but that's harder to do in the beginning, right? It's the last thing you want to do. Um, so, but, but from a love, this is from a loved one's perspective. What we're trying to do here is drive people to want to set the intention like you did or like I did. And it, and it probably was leading up to me making those dramatic changes, which I believed happened to me for a reason. And that's to be able to talk to you on this podcast and tell you what I did from a brain perspective right. to bring the brain into the equation because it's not there in my opinion. The knowledge is not there. People don't understand that it's brain wiring, that it's happened over generations uh, and that you actually have to set the intention to one, prevent it from happening and two, know that you can get out of it through training. And it's not simple, mm-hmm. but from a loved one perspective, mirror neurons, mm-hmm. mirror neurons sit at the front of the brain and how the human language developed was people copying each other. So even if you go in there and it's really difficult when someone's really depressed because no one wants to be around depression, no one Mm -hmm. makes you feel sad, Mm -hmm. go in there with a smile Mm -hmm. because you're promoting, you're promoting positive, you're promoting it. And um, if if that's not going to work for them right now, because that might make them feel worse because they're like, Oh, how come you Um, just take green nature flowers um, or take something that you know is, incredibly dear to their heart that only they know that you know matters for them Mm -hmm. because just knowing deep down somewhere deep deep down (laughs) that you have that rock of a person behind you Mm. is just everything that's so few people have that so few people so much loneliness and and so that's why I, i think people listening here probably are those people is my guess Otherwise, they wouldn't be listening. They wouldn't even care. Right. right. Absolutely. <laughs> They're looking for anything to... Anything. Hold, and I'm with you. So the other thing I want to tell people listening is that I'm, I'm very compassionate to your situation because every brain is different. And when you really understand where it all came from, and if you really understand it, you cannot but be compassionate to that person's situation. Right. Because each of us are two steps away from potentially being in that situation. If we're not doing training, if we're not, each of us might face something that we can't describe could happen to us. Wow. So that drives the compassion. And without that, um, it's, it, it is hard to stay there. And so I, I do understand what you're going through. It is not easy. 
but just what I, what I did was, and it's just through kind of my knowledge and my background. And I, I guess I am an empathetic person. Maybe I don't know, but probably too much sometimes is that I just, even when people are nasty to me right. because they didn't like my choices or stuff like that, I just kept sending them love. love reacting with love and it bounces off eventually. It's so eventually. weird. Eventually, it, it, but you have to stay in it for some time, some yes. time. But but isn't it worth it? Yeah, it's if you really much. love someone and you want to hold on to them, yes. Absolutely. And even if you don't even love them, honestly, but you care enough yeah. to be there, right? If you can just show up, even a text message, right. just keep. Even if they don't write back, just keep texting, right? And send little emojis. Yes, of, of flowers of or trees. <laughs> I'm yes. serious. Or yes. little smiley faces with glasses. It's all so true. And that's enough sometimes to, for them to then set the intention. My husband did little notes. Oh, little he's notes. And I was, man. I was not aware of it at the time that that's what he was doing. And I was rolling my eyes. And now afterwards, I was like, Oh, he was bringing me back to center. Yeah. Reminding me that he's there for me. Now he does notes as a ritual and I appreciate it. But I was, I was poo-pooing it for a little bit and I was like, ah. But I, I realized we take that, things for granted. But now we? I go into my brain and I remember those little notes where he left them for me. And it was in places like my dashboard, my wallet, my coffee, in the bathroom, by the sink, on the mirror, tiny little notes. And he would bring me back to center. And I'm sure it made a switch of me knowing someone's thinking about me. Someone's here with me. Yeah, it goes in subconsciously because you, you're reading it, it. Your brain is processing Right, it. right. This is the bit I want to emphasize. Like right. it, you may think you're doing nothing. It's having no impact. And it might be a couple of months even. And you'll be like, oh, this is pointless. Right. But the brain is processing right. it. And what you're doing is allowing their brain to start to see something a little bit more positive than right. just keeping processing on the negative. Right. So just remember that it's a brain processing mechanism and right. the brain's incredibly strong. Selena, we have a few more minutes and I don't, I, we didn't even touch upon the sugar. How I know. How sugar and also the, tra also the tracing. Like I the know the tracing. How do you think we could do it in 10 minutes or not? <laughs> well, we can try. So I think, I think one thing for certain because a lot of people wanted to know about the sugar. Yes. That, well, so that's the key, right? So what, what did we talk about? You said about the connections going down mm -hmm. um, and then having to rebuild them. So what are some of the things that make it harder to rebuild? Look at it like that. Drinking alcohol and eating too much sugar and high fat, awful food actually makes it harder to do the reconnections. Oh, so you're basically making a healthy environment for the neuroplasticity to work and take. Yes, yes. Oh, so you're basically taking uh, a ground that's old and 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 with no nutrients, and you're putting on fresh soil um, stuff that will grow the grass fresh. And yeah, so quickly and healthy. Yeah, so people are people are drinking alcohol and eating high fat food and sugar as medication. Mm -hmm. Just as drugs numb your brain, so does that. And that's because in Miggy, where Miggy sits, mm -hmm. it's it's calmed down by alcohol and sugar. Mm -hmm. So it's like a medication. So think of it like a medication. Mm -hmm. And that's why when you get stressed at the end of the day, you go for chocolate or wine, right? right? Because you, that's the way the brain wants to get rid of stress because it doesn't like too carbs, much. Carbs, carbs. I run to carbs. Too. Yeah, me too. Um, bread, I love bread. Yeah. Um, 
so yeah, sugar was my thing, just to let you know. So I, I have to let the audience know three things about sugar that are high, that you wouldn't realize and why it's hard to lose weight too if you have too much sugar mm-hmm. and high fat foods. Sugar is 75% of all food now. Mm-hmm. My lab was recently published showing it's as addictive as alcohol and nicotine that binds to the same places in the brain that alcohol and nicotine bind. I'm not shocked about that. No. Um, but we were shocked to show that it actually changes the brain, the physical structure of the brain in exactly the same way that alcohol does. Wow. It takes down those synapses, those connections in the top part of the brain, mm-hmm. which drive your impulse control. I have a friend that um, was addicted to sugar. And she said that even if I don't, let's, she said, even if there's a, a tiny bit of sugar in something, and I won't tell her like a dressing, she said, I can't have it because my brain detects yeah. it and then i i crave more and more and more and i can't yeah. stop yeah is that interesting yeah 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 it's just like alcohol so her brain's wired differently to someone else's same like some people can drink a glass of alcohol and not have a second other right. people have will go to a right. whole bottle or more right? right it's the same thing um because that sugar is relieving a lot of stress for that person and the brain's learned how to do that right see what i'm saying so yes. that's why so that's why um, taking out sugar, if you can, by reducing it and, and replacing it with something else um, is really highly valuable to help you kickstart neuroplasticity. Because So this is the other thing that, that's on the neuroplasticity side because uh, it's medicating your stress, right? Uh, we need to be able to medicate your stress with something else like exercise, breathing and other things um, that are more healthy for you and your body. <laughs> Right. So the other thing about sugar, so too much sugar is actually made up of fructose and glucose. Now the fructose part of sugar activates your hypothalamus to tell you that you're still hungry. So that means when you go to eat your next meal, you never feel full. So what happens is the sugar doesn't, it doesn't let you sense these two peptides called ghrelin and leptin, which tell you you're full. So it's not just calories. Like you look at sugar and say, oh, it's not much calories. No, but sugar doing all these other things, the back end. Wow. And the body can't handle all the energy from fructose. Remember, sugar's not lollies, right. uh, candy. Sugar's in all sorts of foods now to make it taste good. The energy from that gets stored in visceral fat cells. So they're the fat cells that line your stomach and your thighs, the ones that are really difficult to get rid of. Oh. And they're like little cancer cells. Mm. And they multiply to store the energy. So once you have them, you don't get rid of them, but you can reduce them. It's just like gas chambers. So in my view, these are the three hidden facts about sugar that people don't take into account when they're doing a calorie count. And so therefore, if you're doing really great workout, but then you reward yourself with a frappuccino afterwards, to get rid of the energy from that frappuccino will take about another 10 workouts to <gasps> get rid of. Because of the way it's stored in your body. And those things are terrible for, for rewiring the brain. Yeah, as well, on top. Wow. So even though you feel relief from stress or depression or anxiety from taking alcohol or sugar or whatever it is that's your thing, food-wise, you feel fine in the beginning, but the next day you feel bad again. It's going to probably, that craving gets bigger. Yeah, yeah, it gets bigger and then you have to have more to, you know, it's the same process as... Um, and, and, and just to let you know, that's exactly why I got bigger and unhealthy. Went bef- but before I went back to Australia, it was for that reason, because I didn't realize I was actually medicating my unrealized crazy stress, which, which I obviously was shut down from. I was medicating it with alcohol and sugar. Mm. 
you know, or overeating and, and food here, there's very large portions as well. So what I worked out and I, and I, and I even started to train for marathons when I started to get better. And I'm like, why am I still struggling to lose weight around my stomach? Mm-hmm. Like, and it's because of the sugar. <laughs> Are you sugar free now? Completely? Uh, not, no, you don't need to be completely free. It's just overeating it. It's so like everything. So how do everything. you know the right dose? Uh, well, you can tell in your body. Basically, you can tell when you get your waist back that you're on the right dose. And as soon as I go back to sugar, then my waist goes back. <laughs> Wait, but, but what's the right amount that we can have? Is it also sugar well, I, fruits? Yes. Like, are you talking about? No, I think fruits are different because if you're eating a fruit, you've got the fiber, you've got the nutrients. Mm-hmm. It's straight from nature, especially if it's organic. So you're talking processed sugar. But you can overeat fruit too, right? Right, right. But yeah, no, totally processed sugar. Like fr- mm-hmm. it's the fructose part of the sugar that's the problem. So what is so uh, take the it, I took amount? A, well, I, well, the normal amount is 25 grams a day. That's the World Health Organization recommendation. Is it um, for str- the size of a person or it's for any size? Any size. Mm-hmm. Even, um, a, even a one-year-old? Uh, well, they'll probably be even one year old. The less, the better. Right, right. Okay. Because it's adult. changing the brain. Adult. Yeah, an adult. An, an adult is 25 grams a day, which is, I think it's equivalent of seven teaspoons. And a Coke has 14 teaspoons, as an example. Oh, my God. A can of Coke. Um, <gasps> yeah, I know. Does like, it you'll affect be, you'll our be, memory also? Yeah, definitely. It affects everything. And this is the thing why I came out of my lab and building a sugar tracking app because I think people have no concept of how much sugar they're eating. No, no, I didn't. Are you doing that now? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's I've got a clinical trial in my lab running for that in Australia. So that's my new focus in clinical trials is looking at because I believe that's a first step to help people, right? If you can, if you can monitor how much, it's like the brain, right? If you can monitor your Miggy moments mm-hmm. and start to raise awareness that, oh my right. God, I actually doing that and that and that. No wonder my brain shut down. Right. <laughs> how can you, how can my brain not be shut down right. so, <laughs> with my thinking? You know what wow. I mean? When yeah, is that yeah, app yeah. going to be? Well, we've, I just wrote another grant. I was funded by Children's Hospital in Australia. So I just wrote another grant, spent a lot of this year writing that um, to the National Health and Medical Research Council to try and take it Australia-wide. Mm-hmm. Um, so I have, I'm raising money to get it because, as you know, building an app costs a lot of money. Yeah. And maintaining it. So um, I've done two apps in the past, now, so I know yeah. exactly how much it costs. Right. Um, but my main, my main focus is on the Trace It app to make it a game, to make it available on the app store for everyone to use so that they don't need to even have a book and pen. They can just use their finger. And that's, that's become very exciting. The guy that's been developing that for me has just hit a kind of breakthrough to make it even better than it was before. So we're really excited about that one. Wait, so, so, so tell us a little bit about that app. Oh yeah. So yeah. So the trace out now, it's out now. No, no, it's not out. No, 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 not yet. We're still, we're building it still to the app that you, that you told me about a few months ago. The trace it app. Is it a trace it app? Yeah. Trace. Okay. Okay. It's called trace it. So people will be able to, I have a book called trace it to erase it on my website. It's a physical book with a pen. Okay. And, um, and that's still really good. It's probably, probably a little bit better than it will be on the app. It's just that getting people to have a book and a pen is difficult because everyone carries their phone around now. Right. right. So that's why I decided I had to digitize it. Right. And, um, and we can measure stuff and give feedback, et cetera. So that's why we're doing that. But this came about because of a program 
that I, I was working with someone in Australia who was working with people that had learning difficulties and bipolar and addiction and all sorts of things. And, and she was using uh, a number of neuroplasticity training programs. Mm-hmm. And the first thing she did was to teach people about how their brain works and call it Miggy. Oh, she didn't call it Miggy. She called it the amygdala. And these kids mm-hmm. were running around shaking jars full of their worries and then right. blowing through feathers and saying, oh, oh it's just Miggy. It's right, just Miggy. Right, right. And like, oh, my God, they get it. And then they do these tracing exercises um, up to an hour a day, five days a week for a year, and which um, sounds like a lot, but these kids had severe difficulties, and, that, and it was on top of everything else they were doing. And then I was looking at that going, oh, my God, and then I was watching them calm down. I'm like, I need to digitize that. And you did. I did, (laughs) but it was very hard to do. It's it's been harder than, of course, everything's hard to do, right? So when will it be? Well, we hope the first release is going to come in September. Mm. Um, He's working on it really hard. It's not an easy problem because we want to make it really use. We want to make it gamified and and interesting for people to play. Right. Um, But it's something like you said. What's something people can do? Well, that's something they can just grab their phone if they can. If they will grab their phone, of course. Right. Right. but that's, you know, it's for everyone. It's for you and me, right? You said to me, oh, my God, my brain's reacting. What do I do? Well, right. we can do this, for example. Right. Like start. during turbulence, I find during turbulence. Yes, yes, yeah. Your anxiety. Yes, yeah. And I used to run to my clonopin and just pop a clonopin before um, turbulence started that I yeah. prepared for turbulence because I really don't do well. But yeah. this would be uh, probably something that I... I'm focusing on. Yes, exactly. 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 Or if a kid is stressed after school or there was a fight at home, go to the app. Five minutes of the app. Yes, exactly. Exactly. And also I used to have that too with the turbulence, by the way, Mm -hmm. because you know, I fly a lot. Yes. And, um, and now I don't. You don't? No. There's like the plane can go wild and you're calm. Yeah, now I used to be really anxious or get really like worried and hold the seat and all of that. I never screamed or anything. Right. Okay. And so I never. Ne- <laughs> um, but that but it's just it's it's like how do you know that things are working? Like I used to be highly reactive to things dropping. I used to react to my children really badly. I used to not exercise enough. You know, all of those things have changed for me. Mm-hmm. And that's the bit we haven't talked about is like okay, what does it look like now, Selena, six years down the track that you've been doing this? Well, look now, you see you're calm. Well, you can see my photo change too. Like I'm blonde. I used to be brown hair. Really? Yeah. I should send you a photo of what I used to look like because you won't believe it, I'm Wait, sure. Wait, this is your natural are... color? Huh? This is your natural color? No, I'm, I used to be brown. I'm, no, my but I'm saying this is not dye? What, what I've got, no, 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 it's dyed. Oh, yes. Okay. Oh my God. No, the brain training didn't make me blonde. <laughs> That's really funny though. Wouldn't it be funny? Cause then I really show how much it works. <laughs> no, but what it did do though, was, um, it definitely lightened me up for sure. Oh, okay. Um, but, uh, when I show people my driver's license, they, don't uh, they go, is that really you? And I say, yes. And they go, well, you look so much better like that. And I said, you're the only the only people that want me to go back to the way I was is my mother because <laughs> right, really. she's used to seeing me like she's looking right, like her right oh interesting so like and I'm not trying to tell you that it's just up and up so I don't it's want a people process to, it's, it's a, a process pro- yeah but it's, it's the way you handle yeah the way you handle the stuff that comes at you because that doesn't change when you're getting older like I've right. just been through menopause for example right 
right? And hormone changes are horrible. Yeah, and but but I don't take anything. Mm. You know, nothing. I'm on nothing at all. And you're just um, going through the day and you're okay. Well, you know, but I still can but I kind of I guess I'm more aware and then for me it's just like, well, it's just for me it's just wiring and it's the way the body is and the and as my mother said to me, the body and the brain have amazing capacity to heal themselves. Right. Why wouldn't they? Right. Why wouldn't they? Because it's it's a homeostatic system, of course, you know. So um so my daily routine now is like i do wake and and it's and it's not every day sometimes i have bad days but in general my more automatic habits now compared to the past where the brain was in charge is me looking out the window and whatever it is looking for something beautiful to be really happy about like oh my god it's just so beautiful even when you wake up happy you would do that or sad it's it's a habit no i'm saying when you wake up sad i understand you're okay i need no even happy yes no it's my daily habit okay because i want my brain to remember right just how grateful to be alive it is right right and and even if i've had no sleep like last night i didn't sleep very well for example, it's just a habit. And then exercise for me is critical. So the first thing I get dressed into is my exercise clothes. Wow. That's what I put on automatically, even when I'm going to give a talk like I did yesterday. Right. So you make sure you have an hour and a half before to get dressed, go out and jog. But even if I can't, then I'll go for a walk outside. It's a habit. And then, okay, so that's, and then I, I like my cup of coffee, for example. Mm-hmm. And I don't, I stopped reading my emails is the first thing I did. Mm-hmm. So you'll hear about the morning rituals from lots and lots of people. Mm-hmm. Um, but from a brain perspective, what you're doing is you're driving the brain in a positive direction. Mm. Remember that. You, you, you are driving your brain in a positive direction. Right. You are not letting your brain drive you. Right. So this is the critical piece of knowledge that I believe is needed in society. Okay. Because what I see is the brain's driving everything. People are not driving their brain. Right. Be the driver uh, of your brain. Be, and I like to say, be the boss of your brain. Okay. You are the boss of your brain. I used to say CEO, but people said that's too high for right. <laughs> Okay. How about just boss? <laughs> right, right, okay. <laughs> and wow. it's when you understand that, that the brain is more powerful than you think. It's more resilient than you give it credit for. And when you drive it in the positive, resilient direction, it will take you there. It will take you there. Equally, it yes. will drive you down faster right. Right. than it will take you up. And that's why it's hard, Which is right? such an important lesson. If you believe in that depression can stick, so can healthiness stick. Yes. Yes. And isn't it a better way to live? Yeah. Like, don't we all deserve to be, as Wim Hof would say, yeah. happy, healthy, and strong? I did his yeah. course for 10 weeks, and like he demonstrated you can change your brain stem. Right. And I used to teach that that part of the brain couldn't be changed, so I got that wrong. See, what I keep wow. saying is that everything's changing. And right. if you can change your damn brain stem, mm-hmm. Oh my goodness. Right. That's really the hard, that's way beyond Miggy. Right. Miggy's really plastic. Right. And so he can consciously control his breathing and et cetera. So I did his course for 10 weeks and I hated cold showers and then I could train myself to have a cold shower. I'm like, Oh my God, what else am I going to get wrong? Right. Right. <laughs> really? 
Really? So it's baby steps. But the truth is, like I'm sure people are listening and it's it, it could be overwhelming, but I think what they should take out of this episode, first of all, we are in charge of our brain. We're the boss of our brain. It's up to us to make the intention of we're going to do this. And it's starting small. And yes. it evolves. When you start small, your body, your brain will know what's the next step to crave. You know, you know best what's good for you. You don't need anybody else telling it to you or teaching it to you. You know, it's about starting one or three minutes in the morning, get through that, noticing things and trying to make the small habits of the negative into positive. Yeah. And drawing a line in the sand to the past. Mm. like you did with yourself and you called your mother like I did. You, you have to draw a line in the sand. And I did this at the, at the beach. Mm-hmm. You put a foot over that line and say, no I'm moving more. forward. Right. Because you cannot ever change the past. Right. And don't at- attach who we are to the past. No. You, no but the, the, this is what I love about neuroplasticity and why, why I keep doing it more and more, right? Because it's like, wow how far can I actually take this thing? Because the brain's got a billion circuits and trillions of synapses, right? So we haven't even got to the aging and Alzheimer's piece, right? Dementia, right? Do another one because there's a lot of questions about memory. Yes. And, um, people asked about um, what happens when they take medication. And the me- I know that when I took medication, yeah. it raised a very big part of my memory. I was yeah. very sharp and I remember details and I, it's gone. So people ask, is there oh. a way to bring it back? Yeah. Right. Well, you know what I discovered? I did this color breathing meditation on a flight back from Australia last week. And it brought back these long memories that I thought I'd lost. Mm-hmm. It was really amazing. So we're going to have to do a little bit more. We'll give you some time to breathe, but maybe we'll do about bringing memory back, exercise for memory. Yeah, the working um, memory tests. You can see. cortex. Yeah. I want to ask you two questions. Practical tips to implement one's daily routine, which we just spoke about. Memory and grow the prefront cortex. And, and also calm Miggy. Yeah. So as you're noticing Miggy moments, these could be, Worrying about money, could be worrying about your kids getting into college, it could be worrying about um, someone cutting you off in traffic. Right. Just someone cutting you off in traffic, if you go over and over in that, what are you doing? You're worrying Miggy. You're making it more reactionary. So just becoming aware of how many Miggy moments you have in a day mm-hmm. raises the awareness of what's driving you. So that's one of the exercises I like to do is to have people just to start there and just start to pay attention, become more aware. Right. of that kind of thing too and for memory and for memory um like the tracing exercise is really good uh, reading's really good exercising cardiovascular exercising is absolutely excellent for to memory. bring back yeah oh yes because you're stimulating blood flow to your brain oxygen the brain needs tons of blood tons of oxygen and what's happening as you're starting to fa- your memory's fading or you're getting into menopause you've got hormonal changes is you're not getting enough and the breathing right itself right. is is allowing the brain to get more nutrients mm. to survive so those simple things or all of those simple things are like you know nutrients for your brain and what about foods that are very good for brain health yeah well i yeah i find eating plants i mean vegetables and fruits that are organic and natural um, I found I found them to be excellent for me personally. Somebody said that walnuts and blueberries. They read from somebody that 
there's some kind of an effect. Do you know anything about that? No, I don't. I've never studied it, but I'm sure each of those, I just have a, it just feels right to me. Like if you can reduce the amount of meat that you eat and increase the number of plants and vegetables mm -hmm. that you eat, then, and take out some of the carbs, that in itself will have an effect. And uh, what about alcohol? Well, yes. Can <laughs> well, you alcohol a really affects... Say a glass a day is healthy. No, yeah, I know. Um, you don't believe in that? Well, yeah, I, I have a glass. Of, I, love, I love red wine and I have, I have a glass a day. And I, I'm an alcohol addiction neuroscientist, as you know. Right. Um, but definitely too much alcohol, there's no doubt that it affects your memory. <laughs> Right. But a little bit is okay. If you have like a half a glass a day with dinner, it's fine. I think so. But you know, the jury's still out really. Right. I mean, but yeah, I'll let, I'd, I'll let you know if I still have my memory. <laughs> <laughs> um, somebody asked about foods first thing in the morning. Well, um, I do intermittent fasting. So I try and uh, skip breakfast before I do my run. So I have I'm doing intermittent fasting is where you don't eat for 16 hours and you eat in over an eight hour period mm -hmm. or 14, 12, if you uh, 14, 10, if you exercise. Right. So um, I found that to be incredibly good for my brain. Mm -hmm. They've shown through research studies that it actually promotes brain plasticity. Eating less often and having some gaps in your eating is actually really good. And even feeling hungry is excellent for you. What about eating before sleep? Definitely cut out food before sleep. Like if you can cut out food. Four hours before sleep? At least, yeah. At least. I think there's actually. no doubt about that. Yeah. And someone asked, what is the main meal of the day? Because I know fruit till noon, everybody's talking about fruit till noon. Oh, I don't do that. Yeah, I just, I think um, I, do, I do the intermittent fasting. So when is your biggest meal, lunch? Dinner. Dinner. But I eat at, at five. Six, at five. I, I eat early and then I walk afterwards. Mm -hmm. So I think, I think the key in all of this is portion control, moderation, um, and exercise. So anything you can do to move your body. The more you move your body, whether it's standing instead of sitting, whether it's walking outside, moving your arms, anything to move your body is good for you. I actually think exercise is the elixir of life. Yeah. It promotes... Yeah, if you can. I mean, okay, let's just talk about if you can, I guess on this podcast is ultimately that's the goal. Right. Is to get right. to moving your body as much as you can. Right. It's but really true. A lot of people that are huge athletes and they're severely depressed, but they use the run. Yeah, but without the exercise, what would happen? Oh, you mean they would be even more, so much worse. Definitely. Oh, okay. So they should be grateful for the fact that they're exercising. Absolutely. Oh, okay. So that I know that people doing triathlons, marathons, ultra marathons and things like that. And I, and I mean, as you know, I like, I'm a runner. It definitely helps enormously. Right. Probably to keep me medication free. Wow. It stimulates new brain cells. It stimulates the production of oxygen and blood flow. It's just got so many good things to it. You don't necessarily need to be running. Mm -hmm. yeah, it could be whatever it is. Your body is just needs to move. It's because we're, we're evolved from animals. Um, we just have to move and we're not moving enough. And that's leading to depression too, just the lack of movement. Right. So there's no doubt in my mind that exercise is probably one of the number one elixirs for life. And somebody asked if there's any program online that you can recommend to um, introduce them to neuroplastic. 
publicity yes. and to actually implement it when with somebody guiding them? Uh, so, um, or any more knowledge if they want to start and do Yes, I would recommend going to Brain HQ platform. Um, that was built by Michael and you can and you can do a couple of free little exercises there and that'll give you an idea and he has a lot of articles and videos on his website too mm-hmm. and um, that'll point you in a really good direction so in terms of that that's in terms of brain training stuff mm-hmm. um, I also highly recommend listening to podcasts of people that have made massive changes so I really love the book by David Goggins called Can't Hurt Me. And, I, and if you don't like reading, his podcast, uh, his audio book is the best audio book I've listened to. Right. And I, I know it might sound extreme and he is on the extreme side, but, but remember, he had adverse childhood experiences right. in the score of 10 plus. Right. Extreme. Right. See what he did in terms of turning it around and he took control of it and he did it. And it's, it sounds like he did extreme things, but you don't have to even go that extreme to make small changes. Right. But he is a fantastic example of neuroplasticity in action. In my view. I agree that the audio, I actually listened to it once on the way back from Israel. Yeah. I didn't have the book and um, I wanted to listen to it. And I, I was, I was so much more impressed by him surviving yes. his childhood than the actual crazy Absolutely. That afterwards. Absolutely. And he's not alone. See, the reason I got into David Goggins and end up on Jesse's course with you is because of David Goggins. Oh. Because he, to me, was like, see... <laughs> You could do it. See, you can do yeah. it. And, and, right. but I know he's, and I didn't even know he's going to write that book or anything right. at that point. Right. He was just to me, he's just one of millions of people. And right. each of us, he might be a little extreme, but each of us have the same kind of thing going right. on. And we're doing different it. spectrums, you know, and over multiple generations. But, but he just set the intention as you did to do it. And it wasn't easy, was it? But look what it, what it, look what happened. Right. Do you right. know what I mean? And right. and even if you don't want to go that extreme and look like him and do what he's doing, and and I don't recommend necessarily we have to do that. But but even if you just want to get up every day and feel good about being alive, right? right. That's right. something in right. itself, you know, right. to know you can do it, and you just have right. to keep listening to people that are doing it. Even when you see everything black, and a month later, by practicing gratitude, yeah, and you see it gray. So you things will start shifting. Yeah. 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 And it happened for me. uh, And I have a lived experience with that. And that's where I developed. That's why I stepped out of my lab. It's why I decided that people should understand about neuroplasticity and know that the brain's just wired like that. And it's why I built my first app, et cetera, et cetera. All of this came from my lived experience. We're so grateful that you went through, uh, we're sorry, but yet grateful that you went through the experience that you were a neuroscientist that, that are, is willing to go and research in order to change things for others that don't know the brain yeah. and bring so much um, hope and, and exercises to the world, practical exercises to the world that people could say, yes, we're, we're going to retrain our brain. We're going to, we're going to take charge of our brain and, And that's where we got to the brain health together because as you can see, it's all about the, that these, it doesn't take out mind and spirit, by the way, that's a whole different topic, but, but it's the physical connections, Mm -hmm. which is just the brain, just the wiring that you can prep your brain and get in control of it. You know, that's the, that's why I'm so um, 
passionate. Yeah, because um, that piece for me, yeah, yeah. It's about giving healthy food to their brain. Messages, yeah, yeah, messages to people about the brain and that for them to give themselves right healthy on messages daily, on a daily basis. It has to be daily basis. Even yeah. when it's good. What I want to point out here that a lot of you are listening because you're either word depressed or with some kind of a mental health issue or some, living with somebody that's struggling and you're, you're having a, some kind of a thirst to understand or tips or hope. But I want you to know that it's very important what Selena's saying is even when you're doing okay after your episode, continue living that life of, of healthy feeding brain because the relapse can come back. And if it does. It does. That form that even in the good times, you're not doing the exercise, the relapse is going to probably come around. Yeah, I call it building the bridge and maintaining the bridge across that part of the brain that right. likes to go into that spiral because right. you don't want to go back there. And uh, I think that's what you're saying is critical, to be honest. Um, because we and- forget when times are good, we'll forget how important. When it's hard, we'll do anything. We're going to look for anything. We're going to try anything. But when things are good, we're like, oh, okay, I'll forget about that. Yeah, I'm not going like- to meditate today. I won't exercise today. Yeah. I'll eat it's junk like- today. Yeah, it's like dieting. Yeah. That's what I'm saying. It's right. like you're adopting a healthy lifestyle. Right. It's a right. healthy lifestyle adoption for life. <laughs> it's a habit that we have to keep no matter and, what. And plus, it's just the most beautiful habit, right? Who doesn't want to have peak experiences? Right. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> and feel great about living. Right, right. Yeah, so my first, that was called live a vital life, you know. Right. So, Selena, I'm sorry we went over time, but I think it was super important um, if people want to reach out to you, is it okay if they want to ask questions about yes, of course. Uh, even medication wise, they, if there are a few people that are trying to get off medication and they're having a hard time. Yeah, well, you can't um, just go off medication. Right, right. But they want to understand the process. Is it okay if they reach out to you? Of course. Yeah, you've got my email. Yeah, we're going to put it in the show notes. Um, And I definitely recommend grabbing Selena's book about neuroplasticity. Yeah, it's called Smashing Mindset. The first, it's on Amazon. Mm-hmm. And the trace it books there too. There right. are some tracing exercises in it, but I do recommend, I just have it laid out really simply. I, I spent a lot of time illustrating it and it's only 20,000 words. So it only takes you two to three hours to read. Oh, I did wow. that on purpose too. I made it really simple because okay. I really want, it's six principles and I just want people to step through the principles that you are asking, what can they do? What can they do? And I think it's, it, the, the key is get to know your brain then just learn a few little things that'll help train it to look for the positive and then to recognize that love is the answer to everything and then how to help people get more love in their life. Mm. Thank you so, so much. You're welcome. And Thanks We're going to have, uh, we're going to let, let Selena unwind from hope to recharge and, and we'll bring her back for memory because I feel like a lot of us are struggling. I know personally that I am, and I have so many people that reach out to me about their memory loss after medication and, and. Wow. I hadn't, I didn't know about that. One yeah. Too. Yeah. So and, can you, do you mind just like giving me the little insight before we finish? What? Yeah. So so what do you mean like you lost your childhood, your teenage, no, no, or just no, a no. period so of time? I think people would say to me, do you remember when we X, Y, Z? And I'm like, no. And I was one of the, I remembered every episode or some, my mother would say, do you remember this and this person? And I'm like, no. And she would say, Matana, you don't remember? I won't even remember. It happened to me last week. I went into the nail salon. 
And this was the scariest moment. I have the same lady do, doing my nails for, for years. And I only go to her. And the week before, I went with my daughter and myself for her graduation. Oh, yeah, so that. And I said to her the week after when we were about to go to Florida, I went again. And I said, Tina, I missed you last week. She's like, no, I saw you. I said, you were here? And she looked at me and she's like, Jacobs. She calls me Jacobs. <laughs> Yeah. Jacobs. And my daughter's like, of course she was here. And I, my brain was blank. I don't remember speaking to her, seeing her as if she wasn't there. Now I know that it also could be a, um, a overload of yeah, you are all tired well, or whatever. Okay. Okay. So this is my little two cents to help you write the second. You definitely have to have time off. Yes. No, I definitely know that. But even when I wasn't so overwhelmed after my medication, I realized that I lost certain memories. Certainly ability to remember names, places, recalling. Recalling was very hard for me. A good friend of mine that was suffering many, many years ago told me I threw out my clonopin because I saw that my brain was was cheating me of my memory. And And he said, I'd rather live with panic than lose my memory no that was me too so there's definitely a side of you know how you talk about numbing and stuff right Uh, in that moment i always said to myself i'd rather feel sad than feel nothing exactly so each one has their battle and i as we said medication is super important but there's also that that the side effect and if there's a way to bring it back if there's a way to even if we're on medication for the rest of our lives what do we do yeah to require to exercise it that they won't fall apart which psychiatrists don't tell us they don't tell us these stuff also that just to add to the it may be not just the medication it can also be the trauma right it could so, be well but, that the amygdala does shut down parts of the working memory mm-hmm. so we do a working memory test to show people how their prefrontal cortex is working mm. and sometimes that just this being depressed and i know that when i've got too many things or i'm anxious about something i can't remember things either right so that the, there's a double whammy there too but in terms of improving it brain hq is a great platform for that mm. and um, i did that for some time too because it's um, helping to build up that part of the brain. So anyway, it's something you could try and see if how you go yeah. until the next time we speak. Right. I can okay. see the link. Okay, so we'll put it in the show notes. Thank you, Selena. And You're welcome. In the show notes, we're going to see all about where we can see Selena, reach Selena, read about Selena, and um, thank Selena. By the and way. I'm also going to be putting out, uh, meant to say this, a podcast called Shine, and it's just going to be one set of shows where I was interviewed by interviewed about how the brain works. So it's oh, literally my book, but on a podcast. Oh, like an audio book. <laughs> yeah, kind of, but a podcast. Awesome. When is yeah, that? I have an audio book too, but um, on the book, but I just oh, okay. read the book. But okay. This is actually an interview situation. Mm-hmm. Um, when is that going to be live? Well, just like you, I have to get it out okay okay <laughs> if you know what i'm saying yes, yes. it's not easy <laughs> it's finding time it's finding the time yes yes but i think that will be i'm just i've got a set of shows that people can just listen to and re-listen to right and i was edited by someone that i was helping to and it helped her as well so you know what when when you finally when you are up and going we'll have a podcast introducing it and oh that'd be wonderful yeah, yeah it's called shine because i want everyone to shine yeah Okay. 
Well, let's go to our sunshine outside. Yes, let's do it. I'm yes. going to get to my run now. <laughs> okay, thank you so much and have a wonderful day. And bye all. Thank you for listening. And we're looking forward to the next time hearing the nuggets of brain power from Selena. Take care till next time. Thank you for joining us and taking the time to listen. I really appreciate it. Please hit the subscribe button so you can hear further episodes. If you are listening to us on iTunes, please leave feedback and rating below. Let us know if there's any topic that you would like to hear from us in the future. Bye till next time.